Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi everybody, I'm Sess Busby, editor of Flying Solo. Welcome to our weekly podcast where we step inside the minds and lives of soloists and small business owners. According to new data from women's leadership company, Women Rising, career development is key to retaining female talent in the workplace. Yet the majority of women are feeling burnt out and far from thriving. But it doesn't have to be that way. Megan Dallacamina, founder of Women Rising, joins me today to share the findings from the Voice of Women at Work 2023 report and explains how we can better support women in business so that they and we can reach our full potential. Welcome, Megan. So great to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Excellent. Now, let's start by... um diving into the Women Rising Report, the voice of women at work in 2023. Could you give us a little bit of an overview? Why did you, why were you doing the report? Um, why is it significant for smaller micro business owners? What's a couple of the key takeaways that you think business owners should know? Yes, happy to. Thank you for asking. So we did this report. I mean, our work is around supporting women, empowering women, uh, you know, hoping eventually to progress the numbers that we see in terms of, you know, women in the workforce, women in leadership roles, etc., um, for all sizes of businesses. And I wanted to get a very comprehensive view uh, in 2023 about how are women feeling about work? What are they thinking about their careers? Um, you know, bias in the workplace, their well-being, stress, burnout, uh, you know, their ambition for for their careers. Um, so we put this research in market between January and um, March this year. And then we've spent the last couple of weeks really pouring through it, analysing, looking at the data uh, to, yeah, to come up with the report that we've just published. So in terms of some of the findings, one of the things that... Um that I picked out was 71% of women value a leader who walks the talk, who's authentic. So obviously I guess that's something we want with all our communications and interaction is authenticity. But in terms of um, that leadership element and in terms of our audience who are small business owners, you know, they have a lot closer relationship often with their teams. You know, they're interacting with them face-to-face quite often on a daily basis. So how can they make sure that they aren't just paying lip service to, you know, equality, gender equity, diversity and inclusion, that kind of thing, that they really are walking the talk and being authentic? Yes. Um, And look, I'm a small business owner as well, right? So I run a small business. Uh, I've been in big business, but I've been running my own small business, uh, first as a solo business owner and now with a small team for the last decade. So I really understand this, um, you know, this this aspect and this challenge of leadership, I guess, in, in small teams. 
Um, and I think the first thing for us as as business owners with small teams is to be really clear on the type of leader that we want to be. Um, and that authenticity that you mentioned is is incredibly important. Doesn't matter what size you know business that you have, and really paying attention to what our people need, um, how they thrive, what their strengths are, um, and uh, you know looking at from a from a equity equality perspective, what does that mean for you in your business, um, and how do you make sure that your leadership, your authenticity, and the needs of your team, whatever they are, don't get lost in the um, the busyness and the craziness, I think, that small business can be, especially for business owners and leaders when you really are doing all of the things. It's not like when you're in bigger business and you have, you know, lots of infrastructure and support around you. Um, you're, you're much more at the coalface uh, in, you know, in, in small business. So the first part of that, if we just break that down a little bit as well, you said you need to really decide what kind of leader you're going to be. What what do you mean by that? So really tapping into like what are your values as a leader? Um, when you are showing up authentically, what does it look like for you? <clears throat> what does it feel like for you? Uh, and, and tapping into, you know, your own sense of self as a leader. I think a lot of business owners – um, have potentially never thought about that. Um, you know, we think about how to run the business and, you know, how to, you know, how to get the revenue and who are we serving and how are we supporting our teams. Um, but there's so much going on. I think it can be a challenge for, for business owners to step up and say, okay, well, who am I as the leader of this business? What are the values that I'm leading with? How do I know when I'm on track, off track? Uh, how do I check in to make sure that <clears throat> this is working for my business, this is working for my team? So that's what I mean, you know, around around that authentic leadership piece. Mm, and I guess mirroring those values to your team as well. You know, it's no good going, oh, we're supportive of flexibility and then you're there till 8 o'clock at night and your team's seeing you doing that. <laughs> yeah. That, look, that's such an important point, right? Um, and, and this is the piece around walking the talk. You know, do I do what I tell you I want you to do? Um, and, yeah, things like work-life balance, things like taking care of people's well-being. Uh, completely, you know, I used to have a I used to have a manager who would tell me, you know, he'd draw, draw the pie chart on the whiteboard and say this is what work-life balance looks like, but then expect me to be online at midnight, you know. So, so how are we leading from that perspective? So one of the other stats that I wouldn't mind jumping into as well as it said, 84% of women say they need good relationships with their managers and support from their managers to be able to thrive. I mean, I guess we all need support to thrive, but how on a, on a practical side of thing can business owners show that they're being supportive of their employees when, you know, they are a small business, they don't necessarily have the massive resources of a big corporation they can't be going oh here's your gym membership here's your yeah. your yoga at lunch here's like like what what are some simple steps do you think that small business owners can take to show that they're supporting their employees mm. that's a really interesting stat from the report because uh you know 84 percent of women say they need that good relationship with their manager to thrive but only one in five say they have it 
which is which is interesting. Um, so look, I think at the end of the day, people want to be seen. They want to be valued. They want to show up as who they are, and they want to get recognized for it. And you know, again, often in the busyness and the you know just the run and hum of of everyday business, those things can get lost in the getting the things done right whatever it is driving for the results serving the clients running the finances what you know whatever that is so for for managers in small business um you know the things that i really focus on and that we see that women need but i think is just a basic human need is uh understanding who i am understanding my strengths and what i'm good at and what really makes me thrive in my role, the contribution that I want to make, uh, recognizing the wins, creating space for the failures, um, and rewarding with, um, you know, whatever is within your means and whatever is valuable for, you know, for your employees, whether that is money, but, you know, as, as you saw in the research, the relationship with the manager is more important to people than pay which is counterintuitive, right? We think, oh, we all just, you know, we need, well, of course we need the money. <laughs> We've got to pay the rent. But we want to be seen, respected, acknowledged, rewarded for the contribution that we're making. And I think that's within all of our control, um, irrespective of, you know, of, of how, you know, small our business is. Mm. And the other thing that you you brought out from that 84% point was the one in five, only one in five feeling like they had that support. So does that also mean that then there's this massive unrealized potential because the these women feel like they're not getting the support they need to be the best that they can be? Yes, absolutely. And we do see that come through very strongly in the research. Um, you know, a high percentage of women feel like they're not realizing their potential at work. Um, and that, you know, at all sizes of business, you know, in, in a small business, um, you know, it could be just things like where's a stretch project or where's a, an area of, you know, like understanding um, the things that really light your people up and where might there be an opportunity? Well, let's add some of that into your role. You know, you may not have capacity in your team to, uh, you know, there's a promotion or whatever because you may have a really small team like I do. But again, there's always this capacity to, tap into people's potential and align that to you know what excites them and play to their strengths Mm. yeah because as you say a small business they they're not necessarily going to have that career path that you would get if you're working for a corporate but can still develop the potential of your of your teams like there can be alternative approaches to help make sure that people are are advancing in their careers, even if it's it's not in terms of a title role? Yes, absolutely. And that's how I look at my team. You know, we, we're a really flat, completely flat organisation. And, but, but I'm always looking at, you know, someone came into our team last year in a customer support, business support role. Uh, and as I started to see, you know, see that person's massive potential, um, the the basic things are still happening, but then there's other things that I've added in that really align to her passion and interests 
and that will really contribute to the business. So it's not a step up, but it is absolutely, um, you know, expanded responsibilities and yeah, more money has come with that as well. So what are some other stats that have come out of the report that you perhaps have been startled by? Mm. Look, one of the biggest stats that I knew it would be uh, an interesting statistic, but I didn't realise it would be quite so low, is that only 8% of women say they're thriving at work. And I think that's a staggering statistic. I think it's a very alarming statistic. Um, Can I, before you move on, can I ask what what defines thriving? Did you, were there any parameters to that? So it was, uh, they chose that word. So there was a, you know, um, we had uh, functioning, thriving, burnt out, um, etc. So there were like six choices. So it was their own perception of, you know, where they sort of sit on a scale between Thriving at sort of the top end, there was functioning in there and then burnt out at the other end. Um, so, you know, that self, self, you know, self, self-chosen, self-determined view of, yeah, I'm thriving. Like I'm, I think we all know what that, you know, what that inherently means. Um, and we also saw very high levels of uh, stress over the last 18 months and very high levels of uh, burnout over the last 18 months. Um, so when you put those things together, uh, like that's a challenge that we all need to be looking at as, uh, well, number one for ourselves in our businesses, like how are we doing really? Are we thriving? Are we functioning? Are we feeling burnt out? Where do we sit on that spectrum? And what are we doing about that for ourselves? Because of course our teams look to us. Um, and then how are we making sure that our people, even if you've only got one person, um, has the tools that they need, the environment that they need uh, to, you know, get to thriving. We don't want to all just be functioning, right? We want to be doing, you know, we want to be living our best lives, if you will. So that that statistic was was hugely concerning for me. Mm. So in terms of that uh, mental health support, perhaps, what can business owners do to help with that, given obviously they don't have the budget for specialized HR programs where they're going to be providing their teams with mental health support? Is it just about some kind of awareness or, you know, walking the talk in terms of the parameters around work as well? So your team knows it's okay to to have a day off. If you're sick, you know, stay home. Like what are some things that business owners practically can be doing to be more supportive in, yeah. in that aspect? Yeah. Um, one of the one of the first things and the most basic things, but often a ch- very challenging one, particularly in small business, is managing the workload. Um, and one of the biggest challenges that came out in the research for women at work is an unmanageable workload. Um, and we're seeing this across, you know, again, all sizes of companies, all industries. Um, so, you know, number one for a manager. Like what are the things that are on our plate? What are the things that are on our agenda? And then looking at your team members and saying, like, where are you? You know, are you, you know, at a five? Are you at an eight? Are you at a 15 in terms of your manageability? And then actually doing something about it, you know, not being like my old manager who, you know, drew the circle and then said, well, you know, return the email at midnight. So how are we managing people's workloads? Um 
the second thing that you said right there, which is spot on, is awareness. So around um, all aspects of well-being, including mental well-being, having the awareness as to where are my people at. Um, and that's, you know, a general course of the day. Is there something going on in their personal lives? Do they have a sick family member? Are they trying to do some study on the side? Like whatever it is, how are they going? And having that awareness of how they're going. And then looking at, well, what are the potential things that I can do as a small business owner to support my people? And it could be, yes, exactly right. As you said, we're not going to have some big uh, employee wellness program, but you may give everyone access to the Headspace app. You know, it's low cost. They can access it on their phones. They can build a meditation practice. They can do some stress management techniques. That would be one really tangible, simple tool um that you can give them and then then the other things you know yeah absolutely if you're sick don't work (laughs) um but also when are your holidays when are your restoration breaks how are you bringing in some uh well-being practices throughout your day whether it's going for a walk or having a walking meeting etc so there's lots of things that we can do as small business owners that don't cost a lot of money Uh, I think the most important thing out of all of that is how are you? How is your workload? What can I do to support you? Um, And then take it from there. Mm. And and what about, um, you know, we were talking about leadership style earlier. What about uh, male leaders? What role do they play in terms of, I guess, being more effective allies for women in the workplace, women in business? Yeah, look, we need male allies, um, you know, to to achieve uh, the shift that we need to see um, to have, you know, more women participating in the workforce, uh, higher rates of participation for women progressing through to, you know, more senior roles or more responsibility. Male allies are of the utmost importance. Um, and I see the shift and the data backs it up, you know, of what happens when a man steps into an allyship role and the shift that we see for women in the workplace. Um, so we're doing a lot of work around supporting men to be better male allies, really understanding the lived experience for women at work, um, and giving them the tools to, uh, just be more effective leaders and be uh, more effective male allies. And the thing with the thing with men is that you know in in the data we see about seventy seven percent of men want to be part of the solution. Like they want to do better. They're asking for support, um, and we can support them in that process. All of us, you know, together. Hmm. So there's also some unique obstacles for women in terms of progression through the workplace how can we tackle those better Mm. you know there's often career breaks looking after children there's you know there's things that happen for women statistically that we know about that impacts their ability to earn money and to stay stay at work so how can we identify that and address that when we're just a small business and you know make sure that we're hanging on to our talented women and creating opportunities for them to return to work. And I don't know. So yeah. it's a big picture thing, isn't it, really? No, it is. It's a big, it's a, it's, it's one of the biggest questions, right? 
Um, I, I think for us, I mean, it's a different picture when we look at it from a you know larger organization than from a smaller organization, but some of the principles are the same. Um, you know, looking at like what is the career path for this person? And how do we factor in the career, the the career break, the parental break, and what's going to happen when uh, when the woman comes back from maternity leave, and what's required? What's required for the for the woman? What's required for the business? How do we make that work? Um, one of the biggest challenges, irrespective of the size of business that we see, that impacts women's careers particularly around career breaks, is maternal bias. And this bias that we all have, irrespective of our gender, it's the, you know, the six types of gender bias, um, very well researched. The number one is maternal bias. And um, understanding the bias as a business owner that we bring, um, other people in the business may bring that are going to impact that woman's career path. Things like, oh, well, she won't be interested in doing this because now she's a parent. She's not going to be interested in traveling because she's a mother. You know, she's not serious about her career anymore because she now has kids at home. These are all very real biases that women deal with every single day um, that have a significant impact on uh, them coming back from work, managing work, getting access to opportunities, and those things that we talked about right at the start around being seen and respected and valued um, for the contribution that they bring. So there's the structural things and then there's also the leadership and management pieces, particularly around bias, that we need to pay really close attention to. Hmm. And I guess so much of it is unconscious as well. So it's it's difficult to deal with because if you don't even realise you have those biases, yes. how can you address them? Yeah, and they are unconscious. So the first part is making the unconscious conscious and starting to question yourself and the decisions that you're making, the thoughts that you're thinking. Uh, one really helpful way to do it is like flip the script. Like if this was a man in front of me, would I be having the same thought? Would I be asking the same questions? Would I be making the same assumptions? Um, you know, a, a, a across the board. So you know, triggering the awareness and then the questions around this can um, often be enough to make us realise, oh, hang on a minute, you know, that that's not right um, or I, I am being biased here and, you know, let's take a different approach. But it takes work. Like it really, you know, it really does. It's not like, oh, well, you know, we realise there's bias in the workplace so now we're cured. It's It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it were. It would make my job so much easier. <laughs> now, um, what about, I mean, we've spoken about being more inclusive and supportive in terms of the work environment for women. But what about if, the, you know, it's a woman with a disability, it's a gay woman, it's like there's all these other, <laughs> other biases and things that are going on as well. Yeah. How can we just make sure... That in general, it's uh, we are adopting more inclusive practices. Yeah, absolutely. I'm and I'm glad you I'm glad you raised that. And this is the intersectionality, yeah, which is which is one of the six types of bias that we see. That not only do a lot of women face gender bias, but then they'll face another type of bias. So, women with a disability, uh, we're seeing massive amounts of ageism 
at all ages of being a woman at work came through in the survey, which I was a little bit surprised about. So young women are dealing with it, older women are dealing with it, but so is everybody in the middle. Um, and then, yeah, sexual orientation, like all of it. So that the, the piece around making the unconscious conscious, questioning how we're dealing with people, why we're dealing with people, what assumptions are we making, all of those aspects for gender, but for every other aspect as well, for non-binary people, for every, you know, for everybody. It, it plays across the whole spectrum um, of individuality and the piece around bringing it back to who is this person, not what are their identifying characteristics, who is this person and what do they need and how do I, you know, acknowledge and support them um, and coming back again to that, you know, that authenticity as a leader piece and aligning to our values. Uh, yeah, it's across the board. Mm. I think we've probably got time for one last question. So I guess, broadly speaking, what kind of advice will you give to small business owners who want to proactively support and empower the women in their business based on the insights that you've, you've gained from the report? Mm. Um, for small business owners, I would say, number one, the leadership piece that we talked about. So you, your leadership style, your values, your well-being, um, your authenticity, because everything stems from that. And then, you know, get to know, really get to know and understand uh, everybody. But for this conversation, you know, the women in your team, what do they need? Uh, how do you support them? How do you get a really good manager relationship going? And that's different for every person in terms of what they need and how they work. Um, identifying the, you know, career objectives and aspirations and how you can, you know, bring in other projects or skills or development that's going to really support them and their growth, which is going to support you and your business and focus on their well-being you know really focus on levels of stress levels of burnout uh, manageable workload and always always check your bias great advice thank you megan thank you so much for dropping by and talking to me today and sharing all of the insights from the report is there somewhere that people can download it if they want to get a further look yes they can they can go to womenrisingco.com and you'll see it right there on the on the home page and you can download it for free and have a have a good read about it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much.